Carlos Sainz is still without a victory in Formula One. It's wet in Montreal for everything except for the race and hopes are dashed for a podium for Fernando Alonso. G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to another episode of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we're reviewing the Canadian Grand Prix. And I'm joined in person by my friends and yours, Tommy T. Hello, mate. G'day, how you doing? You're back again. Back. Can't help yourself. And my friend and yours in a brand new hat, Thomas J. Camp. Yeah, how are you, gentlemen? Doing you very well. well. Um, who, whose hat is that? Oh, this is, I'm going to say a big thank you to uh, John, Josh, Tara, and Sandra. Oh, nailed yeah, the memory. I, <laughs> I was getting confused. Nailed the memory. It's getting confused because right, I was right trying to put the... Uh, <laughs> I was trying to put the American accent on it because in Australia you'd say Tara, mm. not Tara. So okay, thank good. you very much for the hat. I'll wear it as long as I remember it for every podcast. I'll put it in the box and there we go. Cheers. Yep. Look so, forward to seeing you in Texas later on this year. Fran and I were lucky enough to catch up with the four of them uh, in Miami and uh, John very proudly presented the hat and said, I've got a replacement for, for Campy's beanie. <laughs> Here it is. And finally... Uh, It's made its way to Campy's head. Massive thank you to you guys uh, for continuing to support the podcast and listen. Um, And a massive thank you to our Canadian supporters as well, LBS and Mason, giving you a good old Canadian shout-out, A. Uh, LBS on the ground with Freya and uh, her fiance Dan, which was which was really great. Uh, some some cool photos there, which we'll share on our social media as well. Um, and here's a here's a good shout out. So I can remove my headphones now. The good shout out goes to Ian. Uh, Ian. Ian is from Cessnock, and what do you think he does for a living? He's a garbage. He tr- is a garbage, a garbage truck collector. driver who listens to this podcast and now is uh, fully capable of emptying Campy's bin, which is which is great because <laughs> it's getting very, very, very full. I don't even know where it is. I don't even know who's in it anymore. Just Gasly and Stroll. <laughs> I feel like we should do a podcast dedicated to who's in the bin. Who's currently in the bin? And should we do a, a bin cleaner? No, that might be a question on the next uh, episode Ooh. of uh, our first team radio podcast for the year, Tommy T. Um, potentially already written in the notes that we are going to release next week, even though we're recording it immediately after this the uh, magic episode. Is gone. <laughs> <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, you would notice that we then just don't change um, clothes, which is a whole thing. Uh, let's, though, go to uh, Freya, who's live on the ground for us via voice, pre recorded voice notes <laughs> uh, for her thoughts on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix. <laughs> So Thursday is probably summarised by what I heard on the train coming back from the track, which was Formula One, more like Formula None, with about a 1,000 people left outside the gates and they closed the pit lane walk because they had overreached capacity. Um, Also, it rained. Friday, cameras literally sat permanently on Hamilton. We were watching both the garages for George and Lewis side by side and George had the like clear space to just to walk out, give the crowd a wave and go back in while there was like a gaggle of media outside Hamilton's garage. Ocon literally had to have smoke coming out of his car in order to get some attention. Um, but George did love the crowd. Um, general other pit lane silliness like McLaren nearly had a Ferrari released into them. Um DR came out for a quick wave after FP2, but the main thing was looking at just how like unhappy and unco- uncomfortable Lewis looked. Also, it rained. So Saturday, we went to some of the fan zones in Montreal and there were no screens. 
So, hey, come to this place. It's all about Formula One. Formula One's on in Montreal. Uh, no, you can't watch it. We went out to the track. Max looks like me driving our 1999 flat tray Rodeo, uh, just fishtailing everywhere and lots of lawnmower action, K-Mag in particular, and then managed to get back on sat track and then sat sideways, what seemed like forever with people flying around, just waiting for someone to come straight through him, which was terrifying to watch. Um, also, top three from FP3 would have made a superb podium. Also, it rained. Saturday qualifying. So probably the funniest thing was that the Alpha, one of the Alphas and Red Bulls had just changed tyres and then the red flag happened. So they were right at the pit lane exit and then watching their teams run all the way up the pit lane and then having to trundle the cars all the way back down, which is fine for Red Bull, but the Alphas were literally at the opposite end of the pit lane. So it was a pretty good little jog for them. Um, we heard some amazing pronunciations of Ocon with Ocon and also Ocon, the Americans and British, absolutely just butchering his name. Uh, watching the track form a dry line in front of us was actually pretty cool. Like as soon as the rain stopped, it was just very clear, um, you know, and really surprising how quickly that track dry, that dry line formed. But then it was quite surprising to see people come through, like not on that dry line, which just didn't make a lot of sense to us. Um, Russell absolutely yeeted himself into the pits, which we then learned afterwards was when he changed for slicks. So that was a bad move. The beach zone was more of a swamp zone by the end of Saturday, but ultimately my absolute favourite part about qualifying was the crowd after Nando finished in second. Everyone was just going absolutely wild for him. He took a little while to get out of the car and take his helmet off and everyone was just going absolutely nuts. Um, even the Ferrari fans around us after he had pipped signs were just absolutely loving Nando. Um, no idea what happened to Vettel. He was super quick in FP3 and just seemed really comfortable um, on the track and then just nothing in um qualifying so it was pretty disappointing so yeah you wouldn't want to be in aston martin in canada today also it stopped raining the ferraris are a lot louder than the f1 2022 car crowd absolutely loving it here today absolute belter not a cloud in the sky and i think the biggest cheer we've heard so far has been for gunter Thank you, Freya, for that, and thank you for completely missing the important part, which was the race. <laughs> Absolutely no feedback whatsoever there. Uh, very, very good, though. Glad that uh, you managed to get on the ground and enjoy yourself. Uh, let's go over some, uh, some. well, let's go favourite part of the broadcast, shall we? Or favourite part of the podcast, I should say, which is Tommy T's television broadcast review, TTBR. <laughs> button is the best is that your whole That's summary pretty agreed. much all we needed good uh, okay <laughs> we like a wet qualifying though that that's always interesting I don't know about you guys but wet qualifying is always interesting glad that they just got on with it this time there was no red flag session we're waiting for it to dry out we were just committed to going out and to be honest that was the right call because it did get dry enough towards q3 for some interesting racing so I don't know who to thank for that one I guess race director. FIA, whoever it is. Everyone. Good decision. Thanks, Continue. everyone. Do that again. 
Wet qualifying, always fun. Um, and then, yeah, Jensen Button, always good. It was actually probably the A team, I think. I was going to say, we had the B team absolutely last week, <laughs> we did, didn't, didn't we? we? Uh, including your favourite Paul Resta, who was uh, who I actually complimented Campy. Yeah, I did, did. hear that. No, Paul was, Paul's good. I just He just needs to slow down just a touch sometimes. <laughs> it's like a giddy tenor. Is that a you just, problem or a Paul problem? <laughs> no, I just think, no, Paul's got a lot of great things to say. I really, I'm a big fan, so. Yeah. No, uh, but Jensen, always great. Can't complain whenever he's on the broadcast. Karun was actually helpful. Uh do you know something very interesting about Karun Chandok? And, and Good guy, right? No, something that I think is very is hilarious because we don't think about this is you need visas to go and work in these places, right? The only reason he wasn't trackside is because the Canadian government hadn't approved his visa in time. So I, I saw he was tweeting what? at them about four weeks ago saying, hey, Canada, like, I haven't got my visa yet. Everyone else has been approved. What? He hadn't. Um, and so, yeah, the, the only reason he was back in London is because they still hadn't approved his visa even though he applied for it in February. Brutal. Which is, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. So Trudeau so- is a racist prick. That's all <laughs> I've got to say. Oh absolute. <laughs> oh, good swearing. That's good for me to edit that out. Unbelievable. Allegedly, and not the view of the podcast, no, to be clear. Yeah. The bucket hat wearing one. Yeah. Um, but we did get a nice Karun kind of throwback moment. It wasn't quite like back when I was in F2, but it was talking about a wet Canadian Grand Prix broadcasting with. Brundle and Crofty huddled in a in a shed somewhere during a wet race, and I think that was one of Jensen's wins, one of the last lap ones. Yeah, he's I think that was the one. So mm, we did get a little bit of Karoon kind of like story topping, but it was in in the best kind of way. It wasn't the classic bring it back to himself. But and Danica did a good job. Yep, her and Jensen actually asking decent questions. Not what kind of car have you got today? That's an all-timer, isn't it, really? It, just, <laughs> it really is. I mean, it, it's only up from there. But, no, I think it was solid. I mean, you could tell that we had the A-team because it was smooth and there was there was no muck-up. There was just a smooth broadcast in comparison to last week, which was a bit of chaos. Yes. What's Nash- going on with the flyovers, Jim? Well, there's just well, no we, flyovers being broadcast by all accounts. But we get them on the race day, but we don't. Well, we didn't don't. in Melbourne. Well, yeah, it's interesting. So there was – there's flyovers as in like the Air Force will come out and do their thing, but it's not – in sort of in collaboration now with with the anthem, which is what we're used to, is mm. you know the anthem finishing and then you know splash and off it goes. Uh, but uh, by all accounts, there were some really good flyovers going on. Um, in fact, the best flyover of the weekend has to go to V8 Supercars. Yes, <laughs> the, yes. Uh, and uh, shout out to Tilly Willie Thirteen, who, uh, who who in the next episode asks why I don't like V8 Supercars. Many reasons. Um, I do actually don't mind it to be honest, but the flyover was absolutely magnificent. I went back yes. through. To the yes. pre-show, uh, he said there's a pilot that needs to be hosed out of that thing because he was just, there was absolutely no limit on his altitude and just belting up and down the grid. No one was prepping <laughs> on the grid at, whatsoever for racing. They Love were too it. busy looking up and head being smashed full of F-35. Uh, so that's a 15 out of 10 for V8 supercars um, for the flyover. But the anthem, though, what did you think, Campy? Didn't see it. I uh, I can assure you, I set my alarm for five to four. And <laughs> I actually Formation missed, lap ending. I missed, I'm away. <laughs> I missed all of it. I missed all of it. Saw the second half of the formation lap, and that was it. Yeah, it was a solo performance, um, old Canada. And uh, I mean, it was not the Canadian anthem. Is it's no US anthem, is it? It's not. It's no, it's no US anthem. Thing. A and it's no Azerbaijan anthem, which was, as I said last week, was a big, big Soviet. Key tick from you. 
Yeah, slight hint of communism. <laughs> Minor keys. That's your favourite thing, isn't it? A slight hint of communism? It's not a slight hint. It is full blind, but... Uh, <laughs> Great anthem, Azerbaijan. All right, well, that's uh, that's the what, what's your what's your rating? I should say, TT. I think as soon as you got Jensen, it has to be above a six. So probably let's say a seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah, that's the rating for for TT's broadcast yeah. review for this weekend. Uh, gents, plenty of news to to talk about. Firstly, let's address some of these rumours, uh, some good rumours about an Australian for a change, Oscar Piastri and Williams uh, Campy. There's sort of two. There's two circulating. One that it's almost a done deal for for next year yep. that he'll be racing. The other is by mid-season break. So when he comes back uh, to Spa, we'll be racing um, for Williams. I, yep. as much as Nick Latifi is not doing very good things at the moment, I for one would hate to see him lose his seat halfway through the season. I just don't think that's necessarily fair. But again. To show my Australian bias, because ah, it's Oscar, maybe that's fair enough. Yeah, look, a few rumours going on. I, I think fundamentally needs to be in a car as much as possible this year. Um, if you look at Stoffel Van Dorn, the year off he had in between his F2 win and making his F1 debut, I think that was a detriment to his driving and ultimately his career. I don't think that's the same with Oscar. I think he's bona fide. I just think when he gets in the car, he'll be fine. Um, I'm a bit like you. I don't like things happening mid-season, but then again, Latifi brings a whole lot of money to a Williams organisation that clearly needs it, so hang on to him for next year and get Oscar in. Um, get Oscar in the seat next year and he'll be fine. He'll take that team to places they haven't been for a couple of decades now. Um, yeah, and I think Alpine, they've just they've, this is the fourth time this year that he'll be in last year's car at a private test track. I think he's just announced for Silverstone too, so he'll be brilliant. Um, just get him as much time in the car, get him as many FP1s because we know Ocon or Alonso is out the door in the next couple of years anyway. And the rumour has it is that if he drives Williams next year, he'll be on loan from Alpine. So um, he's certified to drive for Renault at some stage, Alpine Renault at some stage. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, I mean, young drivers and now that two out of the five of us are allergic to young drivers, maybe you are as well. I'm starting to convince you, TT. <laughs> <clears throat> certainly Freya is, is not and certainly Manus is not as well. Uh, but he is an absolutely fantastic talent. And when we talk about the conversation around replacing DR with some IndyCar drivers, this to me is absolutely ridiculous. We've yeah. got this amazing talent in Oscar who's just not doing much at the moment, which is not his fault. Uh, but the team really utilising quite well for a lot of the PR stuff, TT. Yeah, well, he's... Way more interesting than Ocon, that's for sure. So <laughs> why would you not? It's French. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a, a drab personality in comparison to Oscar, who is just really likable and kind of media savvy already. So I think they, they're playing that the right way. It is interesting to me that they would let him go to a different team. I mean, I suppose they've got nothing to lose because he's getting more experience, potentially bringing back some different intel. But I don't know what Williams really has to gain from that because you wouldn't think he would be – bringing in money to Williams and surely that's the thing that that team needs at the moment and a pay driver would be a good fix like Latifi. So interesting to to discard that in lieu of, say, a better talented driver but yep. lacking capital. Historically though, uh, people like Mercedes, for example, have put money into people going into that second seat in Williams yep. um, and that might be in the form of a discount on the uh, power unit or something similar to that. So. I think what would be interesting, though, specifically for Williams is that then both of their drivers are both on loan from different outfits and not actually Williams drivers, yeah. a Red Bull yeah. driver and an Alpine driver, which 
is interesting. I mean, Alex Albon, clearly the dominant driver at the moment yep. in that outfit. Uh, yeah. It'd be very interesting to put him alongside Oscar Piastri to it's see. becomes a reserve driver team. <laughs> <laughs> Rebrand. Yeah. Yeah. Take you out from Formula One, be a reserve driver and then come in um, <laughs> times two and uh, see, see what happens. Yeah, it'd be really, really interesting. But, I mean, it's, it's good for Oscar. It's good. And obviously, for Williams as well, Mark Webber's connection mm. into that team will be, will be playing good things. Yep. And Jos Capito is not the kind of team principal that will be looking around going, oh, I'm just not really sure as to how this would all settle out and play on for, yep. for us going forward with Latifi, regardless of Lavazza money. How do they bring in some kind of Ferrari Intel there? Because they would have a Red Bull power unit driver. They would have a Renault power unit with a Mercedes power unit. They need some kind of Ferrari thing. And then Williams has all of the cards <laughs> there to gain all of the Intel and then bounce back one year for a Braun style, just take the championship. And they'll still suck. <laughs> <laughs> From last yeah. weekend, you wouldn't want a Ferrari power unit anyway, just no. to be honest. Um, some more news. The Oz Grand Prix has uh, been extended to 2035 uh, with fabulously the addition of Formula 2 and Formula 3, which good. is so good, lads. We get to see that. Yep. Um, and it's going to be a packed unbelievable weekend. Yep. There's already enough going on in Melbourne yep. on track. Yep. There's that many series. There's everything going on. That track is not going to be empty at all. Uh, well, hopefully it'll be empty of some other racing series that uh, we just don't need to watch over the course of a weekend and they can be replaced by Formula 2 and Formula 3. Why do you hate supercars? I don't, I'm not talking. I'm talking about S5000. <laughs> that was useless, yeah. What is the it? point? That's terrible. Yeah. No, even though the car, the drivers all basically come from either Porsche Carreras or V8 supercars and then come into that car. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, how, do I, how do I drive this thing that has no downforce or mechanical grip? They sound yeah, no good, worries. Though. They it's, sound great. You yeah. missed the point of what S5000 is. It is great for Australia and New Zealand drivers to get a chance at single-seater racing that is somewhat They're driving things that don't have downforce, mate. Somewhat reflective of what's going on <laughs> in Europe so that when they get all. over there, well, it's the same chassis. <laughs> yeah, but so, it's got no downforce. Yeah, well, <laughs> God, yeah. Support, I win, he's stumped. Support local racing. <laughs> Support local racing. Bring back local or something. Uh, anyway, that's really good news. Uh, additionally, favourite points from that. Uh, New South Wales, uh, the Premier of New South Wales, Dominic Perrottet, basically saying, I don't understand why Formula One would want to go to Victoria and not come to New South Wales. Uh, it's because Sydney's shit, mate. Sorry. Uh, take it <laughs> someone who's recently moved back to Victoria from New South Wales. It is a bag of no good. Um, now, this is the interesting one for me, Campy. The FIA Directive to try and fix some of these ride height issues with porpoising and everything else. Um, Some of the argument is, you know, should the FIA step in? We saw last weekend, specifically with Daniel Ricciardo, really struggling, a lot of bouncing up and down. He really suffered for the first time in that McLaren with some porpoising. Um, I think they did some, the the G-load was was about 10 Gs on on the spine through the course of a a week, weekend, sorry, or or a track. That just seems a bit much, but... Is it kind of like, well, too bad the teams just need to do better independently? Uh, look, it's the problem is, is it looks like a Mercedes rule because of the way that that car's performing this year. Um, do I believe that Lewis Hamilton was in as much pain as he's making out? It, look, it looked a bit put on. Danny Rick and Alonso <laughs> were having a good laugh on camera about it too. Trust Campy to think he can quantify someone else's pain. That's just the most Campy thing ever. <laughs> It's Lewis Hamilton. He knows how to play. Lewis knows how to play this game. Um, I don't like it, but, hey, we are a safety-conscious sport more than anything at the moment. And if drivers are feeling if there's 10 Gs going through their back that's unnecessary, then I can totally understand why the FIA would 
uh, get in there and say, well, if your car's doing this, it's you've mechanically got to fix it. So I think yeah. that's a black and orange flag, like we saw happen to Kevin Magnuson last night with his front wing, um, because it's unacceptable for elite. I mean, these guys are elite fitness. I mean, they're pulling six Gs, you know, lap on lap, minute and a half sections for an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes over a race distance and it takes an exceptional toll on the body at times. Um, their fitness would be just as good as a, like a distance distance runner and stuff like that. I'm talking heart rates and pressures. So they're exceptional but I just don't think it's good enough for them to be injured driving a car Do you think this crashing. kind of rule would have helped you in your go-karting career when you had to retire? <laughs> With about two into two laps, I think, for James's birthday many years ago <laughs> from a sore neck. Mate, this uh, kind of rule might have helped your career, and is, we might have had. <laughs> that is an outstanding comment, <laughs> Campy. Well, t- <laughs> I can actually. I sh- shit you not. I, shit I think you- your pain was put on. I don't think you were really in pain. I shit yeah. you not. I remember ringing James afterwards. He's like, "You were right." I'm like, "Man, I've been crying. I've been in that much pain." <laughs> Oh, it's so, oh, it's just so bad. It's just one of those Two things. Two laps in, he had to retire because his neck broke. This no, is my birthday a couple of years ago, and he go, he's he's in front of me for the the starting procedure. Also, wasn't described very well. It was like no. suddenly we were racing. Like, oh, okay, cool, sick. There was <laughs> whatever, and so he was in front of me. It was just how it all spread out, and he go, we go one court, like one uh, lap around the track, and that's fine. And then coming into like the first high speed corner, <laughs> I see his, his hand. Shoot up to his neck. <laughs> and then of course he goes wide on the grass because he's taking a hand off the steering wheel. Oh. He's kicking stuff up and the, the air suddenly he disappears. It was so confusing and also very hilarious. Yeah. Um, but well. maybe maybe a cost cap extension Jeez. would have also helped you, yeah. Campy. No, no, look, I can assure you, down, I was down at Phillip Island about six months later and I redeemed myself. <laughs> Put it on the second step of the podium, so that was good. <laughs> How many drivers? Well, that was about 15. Was good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, anyway, well, that's uh, that's some interesting news around that. Uh, plenty more to come with that. It'll be interesting to see, of course, with the cost cap, what the FIA do in that, in that space, if it's a Mercedes rule or not, uh, and who will then benefit uh, from that. Uh, right, well, let's talk about qualifying, gents, shall we? Overall thoughts, Campy? I love Lando. Jeez, that guy. He's the greatest driver we've ever seen. <laughs> What a dud. Anyway, I'll leave it there. What else happened in qualifying? Fernando Alonso. Fernando. Oh, jeez. I mean, mixed conditions. The guy shows what he can do. Oh, but the car seems to be improving. In the last yeah. couple of races, they've made some big improvements. If I think back to Danny Rick in 2019, that Renault operation had a real purple patch where I think Danny was top five for about six weeks in a row and he got a couple of podiums. Uh, and through, I mean, if you look at the results throughout the year, there was a couple of times where Danny Rick was only one second off the podium, you know, multiple times. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that that, that that team has got something together, but I still think it's somewhat track-specific. Track um, they're pretty good on, like, two-thirds of the circuits, but there's definitely that, that high-speed... Uh, low, uh, not not a lot of high downforce um, tracks that they do struggle at, but you know this one is perfectly good for them. So it's good to see uh, Fernando doing his thing. Yeah, it was very very much a big Canadian yes please uh, yep. for that. 
Um, the fans went absolutely nuts, according to Freud, regardless of what uh, team shirt they had on, they were all cheering Fernando, which was brilliant. Uh, it was interesting, TT, wasn't it, to see DR finally get some pace together in the car. Um, clearly the issues around power really shone through in the race where it was a dry circuit, but in the wet showing uh, yeah. both, both he and Lando tr- trying to get, you know, they were setting some pretty decent laps. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, yeah, and which, as the track was drying, it was kind of improving. It was just like who was coming through at the right yeah. time yeah. to finish that qualifying And so for, for McLaren, that's a good thing. That's probably what we can hope for for this year is a little bit more mixed conditions if we can see that coming through for certain tracks where DR is pretty good at. We know he likes Canada as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sergio Perez didn't mm. have a good one. Um, got his nose stuck into a wall and couldn't get it out again, which uh, relegated him right very, well, very back of the pack almost. Uh, well, his starting place was, was uh, 13th after... Both Leclerc and Sonoda ended up going to the very back with some penalties. But it kind of like he really came out of Monaco, you know, massive confidence, really, really excited to be here. First couple of corners in Azerbaijan, as you called it, you know, Perez absolutely stonked it. But then as soon as Max Verstappen gets back, it's kind of like his confidence has gone a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of like, all right, ease up, Turbo. You've had one good race. You've had a, a couple of good qualifyings. Just relax. Like you haven't made it. All these kind of articles that you were seeing is like, is Perez going to challenge for the championship? No, no, he's not. Not even close. Like Max is unbelievable driver. I think there was a stat last night, Crofty threw out that one third of Max's races he's been in, he's been on a podium. Like one third of the race. Yeah. Mm. Top two it was, you're right. Top two. He's been first or second in every, in a third of the races he's ever been in. Like that's different. Perez had only won, was it last year, his first win in however many. He was like one of the longest drivers before he got his one. Obviously, Hulk is one of the ones we always remember that never did. But Perez took forever to get his first win. Max was streaming wins off like straight away. This guy is unbelievable. And I think we just lost our minds collectively as a a Formula One kind of community, just going, oh, this is different. This is nice. Just really just prisoners of the moment and just prisoners of the moment <laughs> sucked into this what if there's a, a new champion and it's not max Nah, max is the guy it's all right to go toe to toe with someone over one lap and be consistently good as them but max verstappen's race pace just destroys somebody like perez i mean perez had an eight second lead over him last week in azerbaijan and then Verstappen not only caught him and passed him easily, but within a lap had another three seconds on him. <laughs> By the end of the race, if they didn't do the pit stops and stuff that they yep. did at the end of Azerbaijan, I mean, we're talking about a 35-40 second turnaround over how many laps like that. Yeah. I mean, to extract that pace out of the car over a race distance compared to your teammate, and that's the biggest problem for me with every teammate that Max has ever had except for Daniel. There's no one that could go toe-to-toe with him over a race distance. And nah. uh, there's something about racecraft and how you get the most of the tyres in order to do that. It's a bit like Lewis and, Bo- and Valtteri. Lewis, nine times out of ten, would kill him on race Would, would get a, another pit stop on his teammate almost. Yeah. A free pit stop. Too good. Yeah. Too good. So, Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to see, yeah, as you say, the prisoners of the moment, I like that uh, expression with, with just how quickly F1 fans 
will, you know, follow this. The well, Claire's going to be the champion. Point. It's been three races. Relax. Yeah, serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and you're know, Daniel and Perez, and it's yeah. it's sort of very quickly the the news cycle changes, doesn't it? Because, yeah. for, in fact, all weekend we haven't heard anything really about this Dr. McLaren struggle, Campy. No, well, I mean, Danny's obviously turned a page in the car. He said that himself, um, but he's handled himself in a way that's truly professional. So, mm. look, who cares about McLaren? They've got a crap car. The biggest issue for me is that Danny Rick can be on a softer compound. But I'm talking about Azerbaijan. Yeah, on a softer compound and quicker for two laps, and then his teammates on a harder compound. And 25 laps old, and it's quicker than the pace. There's something fundamentally wrong with the design of that car, and I think it's front end because the front end just burns out tyres like it shouldn't. They're trying to drive the car through the back end, but the problem is, is when you get under braking and you have to control the oversteer slash not even understeer. I'm talking oversteer. Control the rear of that car and maintain um, mid corner speed. It's a heap of shit. So. Danny's turned a page and getting better. The frustrating thing is the McLaren last year was performing like the Alpine we saw this week where they had pace out of exiting corners and they had acceleration where you could not catch them on straight. You see how long Ocon was able to get a good exit and then just maintain that kind of gap he'd, he'd get out of an exit of a corner that no one could overtake him on a straight. And that's what McLaren had as a strength last year and that is completely gone and they are sitting ducks. They are one of the worst teams in straight line speed and they are just getting eaten up under DRS. That's not so much a McLaren problem though. That's that's a Mercedes problem. I yeah. mean, if you had told me last year that going into this year Mercedes would have the worst engine on the grid, I would have said uh, maybe second to Honda but not – being beaten by everybody else. And if you look at qualifying the results from this weekend, the only car, the only Mercedes engine in the top 10 other than the works team was Danny Rick. And, I mean, the race played out differently for different reasons. But, I mean, we had some big retirements too and we had a couple of cars starting from behind. So, yeah, I mean, we'll get to the race. But, I mean, it's dire straits for that Mercedes powertrain at the moment. I think it's just a heaper and they need to get better. It was a pretty magnificent kind of couple of days in Montreal in terms of weather. Some of the photos coming out of the paddock, some very, very dark skies indeed. And uh, the track, as it was drying through qualifying, was awesome to see how where people were getting some pace. The massive puddle in the apex of turn yeah. one that George Russell just uh. decided that he'd just keep going through as the only car. Fair enough. I mean, it seemed to have worked for him. So we had Max Verstappen taking pole with Alonso very gladly to see him uh, in Amanda. second. Signs. Uh, this is also an interesting thing for me as well. I think TT because you've got Fernando, who yeah is in his forties and has been racing for some like twenty through. In fact, he's been racing as long as Oscar Piastri has been alive. I think minus one month or plus one month. There's a stat either way for that, which I think is hilarious. Um, but his compatriot from Spain, but also a protege in yeah. Carlos Signs uh, behind him was, was was would have just been interesting. I think for for Fernando's sort of mindset. Mm. Hamilton in fourth was good. Kevin Magnussen and Mick Schumacher fifth and sixth. Yeah. Now, Haas really, I mean, if we stopped the count there, they would have had a fabulous weekend. Um, but it's interesting talking about these track-specific uh, events where Alpine, as you were saying a little bit earlier, Campy, and we saw with DR through 2019 and 20 with Renault where they sort of made those purple patches, as you said. It seems like Haas are in the same position or in a similar position uh, with a 
power unit hopefully doesn't keep failing on itself, uh, although it did again this weekend. Um, Ocon in seventh, Russell in eighth, uh, DR in ninth. Uh, Joe Guan knew outperforming his teammate again in tenth. Valtteri yeah. Bottas eleventh. Alex Albon put it in a pretty good time uh, to be in twelfth in his Williams ahead of Sergio Perez, Lennon Norris fourteenth, Pierre Gasly fifteenth. We had Vettel, Stroll, Latifi, Leclerc, and Sonoda. That's the starting grid, not necessarily qualifying times where they where they found, but uh, it really. Really led into an interesting race, Campy. It was absolutely in the dry. So yep. uh, free tyre choice, stacks and stacks of different compounds considering hardly any were used through the weekend because of yeah. the wet weather. Uh, so it was interesting to see basically, basically everyone all the way down to Valtteri Bottas, I think, were running mediums and then hards from, from there on. Yep. Uh, but it was a pretty disappointing start, wasn't it, for Fernando Alonso. It was about three-tenths slower than Max from getting away. Yeah, it's not what we wanted. I think Otmar came out before the race and he said, no, we're going for it. We want to lead mm. on lap one and see how long we can hold on to it for. Had he had gotten that lead off the start, I think he probably would have held it for five or six laps. Um, but, I mean, the good thing for him was that he was able to grab onto Max somewhat. I know he drifted after about lap six, but uh, remain in some range of DRS and get a toe down those couple of straights. That, was, that ultimately set up Fernando's race, I think because of Sonoda's crash at lap 40 or whatever it was, that really jeopardised Fernando's uh, strategy. But he was on for a, a top five and, uh, yeah, got pit by his teammate in the end. But, yeah, it was a shame to not see him in front, but oh, I'm not whinging about it. It was cracking. It was a cracking race. I was pretty – sorry, it was a cracking build-up to the race and after 10 laps I was like, okay, <laughs> it's mellowed out to yeah. not what I wanted. But Too it, early it on that first safety car, I think. If that – First safety car to come at like lap 20, really interesting because that would have actually played in. It was too early for someone to make a, a, a bold call and go early because we found those people had to come back out and pit again. They couldn't go the whole race on that hard for 60-plus laps. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, if that had just been a little bit later, maybe lap 15 onwards, I think it was only would have made Max, it really it was interesting. only Max and Lewis that pitted under that first yep. – um, First yellow, oh, what was it? Was it? A virtual safety virtual, virtual, yeah, that first yeah. virtual. And then the second one came and everyone jumped on Everyone that. jumped it, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, a team-by-team analysis. We'll start at the very back of the pack. Unfortunately, with Haas, as I said, absolutely still qualifying. Um, Schumacher having a, a technical issue with the car. Kevin Magnussen in 17th after Tommy T. What was arguably an incredible start. Really up there with Lewis Hamilton. Yep, and that was just a racing incident. I don't think you could have pinned that on anyone. Just unfortunate, just not enough room going through that apex. And Hamilton was there first and just very slight incidental contact contact on the the end plate and just critical for downforce firstly, but then also got black and orange flag. So, yeah, it come. kind of just kept falling further and further yeah. off, didn't it? And you feel for him because he, he wanted to keep running uh, oh, for yeah. as long as he could, maybe got to that safety car and then changed it. I didn't like that. I didn't like the. I didn't. Did you Did you like Ocon's comments asking for it to be him to be black flagged and sent off? Well, as a racer, you're seeing it and you're like, oh, you've got to get rid of that. It's so yeah. dangerous. As a racer, you're so one eyed and focused on your race and what you can achieve. So that's the way you play it. So I don't mind him saying it, but I just wish the FIA go, no, it's not that bad. Just keep going. Yeah. I mean, there's some of the damage we've seen to cars over the years and them kept going. I mean, a little bit of carbon fibre. I just thought, geez, we're jumping at ghosts here again, you know. So <laughs> who is. cares? There's carbon fibre everywhere. So There's carbon fibre. But, I mean, again, it just shows the strength of the front wing and, and the design in that he didn't mm-hmm. get uh, – that Lewis Hamilton didn't get a puncture. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cracking, yeah, cracking race though. I mean, these new compounds that we use in front wings with rubbers and, you know, to make them stronger and more weight efficient and stuff. So that's a shatter. That's all a load of shit, but. <laughs> well, they're designed to stay they, together. Whatever yeah. they are doing <laughs> under the loads of that end plate must well, have been. Checo's anyway. stayed connected. It didn't break. Yeah. He yeah, was well. wedged into a wall because it was so connected. <laughs> it would have just snapped off in previous years and disintegrated and he would have kept going. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. And we, we saw Alex Albon and a few other people can make contact with front wings. And we said this all year. The part of the thing we like about it is that it doesn't shatter into a million pieces. And, and red have flags. Red flag and, and then marshals and with yeah. <laughs> brooms from 1762. <laughs> <Witches> <laughs> Trying to get rid of stuff from there. Uh, yeah, really disappointing. Um, Mick Schumacher, I want to just sort of talk a little bit about because last week, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of luck and he was certainly running in the points uh, for, for a good period there until yeah. the issue uh, was trying to keep Joe Guanyu behind him. Um, then the overtake, it seemed like the car was like, oh, now I'm just going to throw my toys out of the car because I got overtaken. Damn it, I'm just going to turn <laughs> off. No, he was uh, on it. But he, uh, he's sort of starting to come back. One of the conversations, Campy, that's sort of been going on is like, oh, well, Mick Schumacher is not that great. Uh, and he's certainly cost Haas quite a bit of money in terms of cars, of course, with Monaco and Saudi Arabia. Um, Every young driver's done it. Look at Max. Yep. He's so a, Max. Even Max has oh. done it. So my question to you then is, do we almost forgive him his first year in Formula 1 last year considering he didn't have that mentor behind, uh, next to him rather because mm. he had Nikita Mazepin rather than Kevin Magnussen? And this is the year where we go, all right, well, now that we're going to really judge you against your performances and how you actually yeah. deal with issues and yeah. cars and everything else. Yeah, I think so. He hasn't had a great start to the year, but the last two weeks he's qualified in the top ten. And yep. last night I don't think he was as fast as Magnussen over race pace. What we really need to see is we really need to see how quick Magnussen was last night. Mm. Unfortunately, because of that, the black and orange flag and him having to go in, I think we would have seen really where that car was at and what it was capable of. Yep. But you can't fault Mick. He's putting himself... Under pressure, he's putting himself in the right positions. The engine's good. The chassis's not great, but the engine allows them to make these Q3 appearances. If he continues to make Q3 appearances, at some stage he's going to get some points, and that's what he needs to do to cement his his role in this sport for the next decade. Yep. We already know that teams will throw, throw everything they can at having him to keep him in the sport because of his name yeah. and he's got a legacy and there's a lot of people in that paddock that feel like they owe his dad something to keep him in the sport and make it work. But, hey, he's got he's got to do everything he can while he's in this car. Magnussen is a bona fide, not superstar of the sport, but a bona fide top-tier driver. And if he can compete and perform with him in the second half of the season, then I think it bodes well for his career moving forward. Up until two weeks ago, I don't think that's where it's yeah. been, but he's getting better. Can I just get a clarification on what top tier, star, superstar, bona fide? Where do they all sit? Which one's <laughs> higher than the other? <laughs> I can't keep track. You've got your greats. Danny your greats. Rick. Okay, let's start at the top. Let's just quickly, we'll do this quick. You've got your Maxes, your Lewis's, your Danny Ricks. Yeah, they're, top. That's superstar. That's superstar, okay. top line. Yep. You've got your second tier, which is your Lewis. Is that a star? Hey. Is that a star? Oh, is that just top tier? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He's in the, <laughs> I'm just, I'm I'm just talking shit. But <laughs> the terminology. We, 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 know glossary. Ma- we know how good Magnuson can be yeah. given the right material. Yep. On debut, puts in a podium in a McLaren and then drove absolutely shit cars <laughs> for, the next, for the rest of his career. So not his fault, but when given that opportunity, we know what he can produce. If you he's want a, a bona fide top ten 
in this sport and belongs to be here. Here, here. I agree with that. Uh, as a sidebar, if you want to write a glossary of please, lakeside drive terms, please. please hop onto our Discord server and do that. Uh, very good. It's, <laughs> it's good to be back in person. The The ridiculousness <laughs> is real. Uh, it's also actually a really great time to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Lakeside Drive. Uh, we sponsor our own stuff. Uh, and I want to bring up some merch uh, that Tommy T some has merch. newly designed. Oh, TT, what, what is on what? the new T-shirt? <laughs> What is it, Camby? What's one of your favourite What's one of your favourite sayings from last year? Oh, is this my GQ quote? Yeah. (laughs) Quote in consummate professional. (laughs) If you want to be a consummate professional, you can by uh, going and supporting the show, by grabbing a tea. Uh, The link to that is in the description below. Uh, Look, we don't do any advertising on this podcast. Everything uh, and look, all of this setup and everything else is all us funded. So if you want to help support that, um, you can do that. Buy some merch, wear some Lakeside Drive stuff. Uh, like so many of you have already done, and thank you, thank you to you for for doing that. Uh, let's continue to talk about a slightly less good, <laughs> slightly worse brand of clothing, Alpha Tauri. Mm, um, they Pierre, try. Pierre Gasly, fourteenth, um, and Yuki Sonoda doesn't know how to exit the pits. TT, how you feel for him because he was doing well. He really like, was. He was, he was doing really well, and that was just an unfortunate. I don't know what happened. They were kind of kind to him in the commentary saying maybe it was mechanical, but it kind of looked like he just came out real hot and just couldn't get that car to turn uh, on that exit. Yeah, but you look at the steering angle and the tyres didn't change as well. But like the front the front. Did he just forget? <laughs> or you reckon that they didn't? No, nah, I reckon there was something mechanical that went on. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt? I'll give him the benefit. As this show, Lakeside Drive, hey, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt for this one. spanking Gasly over the last three races. <laughs> Mate. Spanking him. He's taken him outside, pulled his pants down <laughs> and smacked him with a wooden spoon. That's how much he'd better drive his. They could put, I don't know, Karoon back in that car and you'd think he'd be spanking Gasly. You just hate <laughs> Gasly. No, Gasly has not Gasly has not performed in the last three races compared to his teammate. I'm pretty sure he came sixth, didn't he, last weekend? Yeah, he yeah, did really well. his teammate was better than him in qualifying and race until whatever happened with Yuki. When did the points get awarded? Oh, oh I hate Tommy that I T. That. I hate Why that would I you that? I'm not that guy. You're a dick. I'm not that guy. You are not that guy. Oh, I feel dirty sitting next to you now. Can we move swiftly on? Let's talk about Williams because that just that's really hurt. I'm going to have a shower. Well, you need to do that anyway, full stop, regardless of that comment beforehand. Williams, as we mentioned, Nick Latifi is kind of at... Sorry, I have a job, princess. <laughs> kind of, you will be kind of uh, at risk. Get my words out. Kind of at risk at the moment. Uh, he really needs to be driving and outperforming his teammate to show that he deserves to stay in that team. And he, of course, is not doing that whatsoever. Uh, really, really not performing. It's, just, it's poor, to be honest. 16th. Uh, and Alex Albon, only a couple of places ahead in 13th, but again, qualifying, he absolutely spanked, has been spanking Nick Latifi all year. Yep. Um, uh, the team really is built around. That there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Alex Albon is the number one driver in that team. The Mercedes power unit point is a good one, I think, because it's obviously not powering Aston Martin or McLaren or even Mercedes to a point. Mercedes obviously going to find a little bit more power out of it because it's the works team. But you look at the rest of the customer teams, and it's very clear that that is is not a good thing. Williams, we thought Campy would be so much further ahead of where they are right now. Uh, it is depressing to see, except for when Alex Albon's able to do some pretty stellar performances in a wet quality. Oh, look! I think I think if you would if you had a Mercedes engine like last year, this year, I think 
we would be talking about Williams doing the same things that your yeah, Haas's and the Alphas are doing at the moment. So, totally think it's motor related, engine related. For, I mean, it, that's the most logical when you're trying to look at it and summarise where they're at. It's the Mercedes powertrain that's holding them back because it's holding every Mercedes team up at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's sad to still sad to look at. Uh, although I don't mind the the incorporation of the Duracell battery colour in the airbox now. Have you seen that? Considering they want to get rid of paint, now they're starting yeah. to paint anyway. Look, I think I thought it was quite a nice addition. Maybe it was just for this Grand Prix. It's lightweight paint, though. Isn't is it, it probably oh, yeah. lightweight paint? As in, it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> That's how lightweight it is. Uh, McLaren. I don't know what the hell is going on with this team. Terrible pit stops, really oh. rubbish strategy for both Lando and for DR. There was issues for Lando's car with with power units. They saw yesterday uh, all kinds of a mess. Uh, really, let's be where, okay. Well, where do you think McLaren is in terms of the pecking order at the moment? I would say so. You got Red Bull, Ferrari, maybe one, two, Mercedes. Then you've got Alpine, Alfa Romeo, McLaren. Who, who is the top of that sort of next after Mercedes? I still think they're fourth, but under <sighs> very big, very big um, pressure from the Alpine. Uh, I think Alpine's pipping them. I would, well, agree. I would agree. I think you're right. Yeah. Just as right. a team, they're way more consistent through qualifying, through a whole race weekend. Their strategies are just better, which is not something we've ever said of Renault or Alpine. We used to oh, criticise no. that constantly. Turns out Otmar's pretty good. Who would have thought? Who yeah. would have thought? Not us, obviously. <laughs> he <laughs> said he should have stroll. <laughs> Idiots. No, uh, look, Danny Rick got unlucky last night not to be in the points. On track, he should have been. Because of Yuki Sonoda um, crashing out last night or whatever happened, his mechanical failures, I'd like to say it was, that meant that everyone pitted where he could have made that one-stop work and gone yeah. to the end if the race was which means he would have picked up another four positions and got that uh, sixth or seventh, maybe like if everything went to went to plan. But um, I mean, yeah, it's tough to watch though. But that's, you watch Ocon, who just sat out there for as long as possible. Yeah, but Danny Rick, and was, that's that Danny, was a strategy though that was going to work. Danny Rick, Danny Rick was in front of Ocon at the start of the race. No, he wasn't, was he? No. It would have been there. He was in front of Bottas, Vettel, and that crew who jumped in because quickly and. Like Joe jumped him as well. Well, Joe jumped impressive. him. Joe jumped him at the start, but Danny Rick was able to hang on. Um, and I would suggest that that was heating up tyres and getting into an optimal sort of place. But we know how shit the McLaren is in a straight line. Thus, hence why Joe was able to make that move quickly. But if you look at where Danny Rick sat until the next pit stop, he was within DRS. You know, most of the time. Yeah. Then coming out with that six-second disastrous pit stop coming out behind uh, Sonoda and Joe, uh, that 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 affected his race, but yeah. not as bad as everyone's making it out to be. Yeah. I think he was going to do the one-stop and he would have gone to the end on that hard set and he would have picked up a few more spots, but the Yuki Sonoda incident, pulling out the safety car, everyone then pitting because that was a logical thing to do with 20 laps to go, mm. um, that, that compromised him. But then he's in a car that can't pass, can't get the speed, can't get the power down out of the, you know, out of the hairpin onto the big straights. Yeah. And This you know, year I've not been confident in that McLaren being able to overtake anything. No. It can hold position at best unless it's got like soft, like fresh softs versus someone on old hards maybe. I'd give it a, give it yeah. a, a go. But otherwise, even backmarkers are struggling to clear like – he comes out behind Sonoda and, and Joe, who are on way different tyre strategies. 
and they're like, oh, he's not going to get past him. That's not what we've expected from McLaren in past years. That was, oh, he'll clear those back markers really quickly and be back to the back of that front train pretty soon. And that's kind of the big discrepancy this year between McLaren last year. McLaren are better also on the harder tyre compounds, so the C3, 4 and 5. When you're using the C1s, the C2 and the C3 in a race, that's when they're going to suck most time. They're better on the harder compounds, um, which I've found this year. Um, But I just think there's something fundamentally wrong with the car. I think when they first designed it, they went down at front wing because they were trying – I think they were actually trying to accommodate Danny Rick. If you look at the front wing, quite a similar concept to a Red Bull without the rake. sits a bit higher, but they were trying to get more downfall, so they put it a bit lower. Um, But I think once they went down that, they didn't have the expertise to get the rear of the car – to function properly. Hence why they had problems with their front brakes and the air cooling and stuff. They couldn't get the they couldn't get the air done. So once they mm. invested three months ago and down this concept on the front wing, it went that put them so far back in the rest of the development of their car that that's where they're having the problems. And uh, I think as an look, Zach's great. We love him. Has he been a dickhead for the last month? Well, he's starting to act like a frustrated man because he's not where he wants the team to be. But moving forward next year, I think. If Mercedes can get their the power unit sorted, that'll be a lot in like that'll be a lot better for McLaren next yeah. year while they're sorting out their problems with the chassis. And I think the chassis is getting better, but they're getting shown up because of you know that McLaren uh, the Mercedes power unit. Yeah, the power advantage and disadvantage is so obvious. Yeah. Where Charles Leclerc just breezed past Lando Norris, just breezed past Daniel Rick, who you know was trying to get Joe for such a long time, yeah. breezed past Joe, breezed past Sonoda. You know, it was oh. just like, well, okay, well, this is where we're at now. Yep. Uh, but you do additionally, you have to feel sorry for Lando Norris. That pit stop, the double stack pit stop, oh, where he yeah. came in, tires were like well, they, it was very Mercedes Allard Germany with yeah. between <laughs> the silly hats, with the silly hats and everything else. Uh, it was just a, a bit of a mess and you, you can't whatever regardless of whatever the last couple of weeks are mclaren really need to sort their life out in terms of the design of the car the leadership they're showing because this is not typical of andrea seidel i don't know what's going on mm. but there are a lot of things for both drivers which have really really come should should come under scrutiny and do for us as well and it's disappointing of course for us with our daniel ricardo bias but for both, for both of them. It's not a championship winning car. So either way, for both Lando and for Daniel, it's just absolutely no good at all. Um, fingers crossed they can sort of, sort of, I guess, pick it up and, and go forward maybe for next year, Campy. But we were talk, sort of talking the last couple of episodes as well about, well, this is we kind of felt like that. this was going to be the year for DR if, if with the new regulations and everything yeah. else. He's still got about five years of racing, he thinks, within him. Um, certainly the, there's no point in him retiring from the sport, but we're sort of saying, well, okay, well, if he does leave McLaren, where would he go? I don't think that's necessarily the right decision. You stay put and you try and no, sort it out if they're willing to listen to yeah. you, I think. so. And look at the relationships he's got on the grid. He ain't, leave, he ain't leaving an organisation with a sour taste. No. Yes, there's a sour taste from Daniel because he's like, you're not giving me what I want. And yes, McLaren's going, you're not really driving the way and performing the way that we wanted you to. But it's not like it's not. there's no breakdown in like how they – respect each other and talk to each other. I mean, it's just a, like it's a transactional business thing that's happening at the moment. Neither parties are happy 
And Danny Rick will stick around next year, A, because he's got the option to stay around, yep. reportedly. Yep. It's not – if he wants to stay, McLaren has to take him. That's, yep. the, that's the position they're in. But, uh, I mean, Danny Rick needs some better drives this year and next year to ensure himself in a championship winning car moving forward. Yep. And I would hope that Mercedes can do it. But, I mean, if, if, if you really look at where F1 and the sport's gone – a customer team or an independent team hasn't won a championship in a very long time. Uh, the only, I mean, Red Bull is a customer to Renault, but that was the works Renault. Yeah. Um, I just can't see, I can't see McLaren beating a Mercedes, works Mercedes on track with unit. the same power unit. Yep. I just, I can't see it happening. Can it? Absolutely it can. But over a season and world championships, I'm not sure. It's the best place for Danny Rick to be on paper, but... We've got it wrong at every at every stage for Danny Rick. You know, he probably shouldn't have left. He probably should have stayed at Red Bull, put up with the shit five years and had a championship winning car, you know, in the last two years. Um, probably should have stayed at Renault instead of going to McLaren, looking at where, where they are on track at the moment. But if we really had the decision, he should have gone to Ferrari when we were saying the worst thing you can do is go to Ferrari. So whatever we think, do the opposite of Danny Rick and <laughs> it'll, probably, it'll probably make it work. Uh, we know he listens to this podcast, of course, as well. Shout out to you, Di, doing a great job. Uh, let's talk about Aston Martin, Seb Vettel, and Lance Stroll. Uh, Stroll in the points somehow. Um, Seb Vettel, really, Gift. really quite quick in FP three, quite comfortable in the car, it seemed. Um, and then, yeah, absolutely no pace whatsoever. Uh, we haven't really got your thoughts. I don't think Campy on the green Red Bull yet, have we? With Aston Martin's new look. Yeah, I mean, they've figured it out. I mean, they've they've gotten better in the three or four races since we've seen it. Um, it's a carbon copy and they've got form. I mean, I just – you can't keep copying cars and expecting it. Can Daniel get an orange Mercedes or an orange Ferrari? Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway, look. Anyway, look, they've got form as an organisation and Otmar's now gone because he clearly was against the idea, probably. So – yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, the dumbest decision ever for the Strolls to get rid of Otmar. Like, the dumbest. Oh. And for Alpine to take them, look at where they're at at the moment and what he's done with that organisation in the short time he's been there. It's staggeringly stupid. Not saying this new guy's... I don't even know his name. Mike Crack. Yeah. Solid. What a name. Um, <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not qualified and he's not good and he's not the right person for the job, but I just don't think you can run organisations that the way Lawrence Stroll runs other things. This is motorsport. This is like fundamentally get it right from day one, right people, right pay packages, and you're up against ten other teams that are trying to do exactly the same. I mean, you've got to be a special person to be able to design a car like that. And if you look at Adrian Newey's track record and Ross Braun's track record, Adrian Newey's still on the grid. He's the one that's getting the world championship. So, I mean, I can't say – I cannot see Aston Martin being a world championship team unless they get the – the uh, the Volkswagen Motor Group on board with yeah. Porsche or Audi, and, is, and I mean, there's been some developments on that last time since we talked about it too. So, but that's not going to happen for four or five years. So they need to get their shit together in the next four to five years, and then hopefully someone comes in and they get rid of the MGUH, the heat recovery system, which is all the money and all the technologies in for these cars, and and maybe there'll be a bit more of an even playing field. Well, it'll be interesting to Sorry, see. I'm ranting. No, but I well, it's it's just. <laughs> 
unlikely, as you say, that we're going to see that anytime soon. Uh, no Canadian on Canadian crime. Disappointing. Stroll just kept to himself, really. He was Didn't just he? doing nothing. So Latifi. He was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can do an Albon and take these tyres right to the end. <laughs> and then he was gifted a safety car. Gifted. Uh, gifted. gifted. Absolutely gifted. Well, actually, to be honest, he pitted just before it. I'm Probably has sure. actually been physically gifted one of those safety cars too, considering yeah. he's an SMR. Listen, uh, thanks, Dad. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure he pitted like two laps before and just still netted the benefit of pitting when he did because everyone else followed suit. But he did nothing. It was such an uninteresting 10th finish. And is that why you're in Formula One to get one point every week? No. That's what he does best though, right? He just kind of waits uh, for a safety car or he out, you know. Ocon. He's like the he's like a knockoff Ocon. Knock a fucking. Knock a fucking. Do you have to bleep that? I don't know. Probably in. will. Leave it in. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's inter- interesting to see where, where they're going. Alfa Romeo, though, Valtteri Bottas in eighth. Joe Guanyu in ninth. Really a team that has suffered campy with some reliability issues for a lot of this year. Yep. Uh, Joe's been quite unlucky, really, it has to be said, for, for a lot of his performances. But he's in the points again, which is good for him. Um, as the only rookie this season, how would you rate him so far? Yeah, he's turned out to be quite a driver. I think he's really struggled at the start. I mean, struggled is the wrong word, but wasn't up to speed, which is fair enough. Um, but I think at Baku, at Azerbaijan, that was the only track that he performed really well at last year in F2 where he made Piastri look not as good as what Piastri had been at all year. So it didn't surprise me that when he got to Azerbaijan in an F1, he was really competitive and on it. Beat Bottas in qualifying and beat him in qualifying this weekend too. So um, I'm actually quite impressed with his last couple of races. The first yeah. few, not so much. But then again, I think Bottas has had issues in qualifying too, um, which hasn't helped him. But uh, I think think Guan Yuzhou, he came into the sport with Chinese money, which no one really likes. And he probably came into the sport on the bit of a wrong foot just from public perception. But if you look at his last two races and if he continues to do it for the next couple, well, I think he's firmly cementing himself as yeah. as a very competent driver and could be in the sport for a long time, I which like- I think bodes well for someone like Oscar who made him look second rate at yeah, times in that F2 sure. paddock. So um, that's what I'm quietly confident about looking at, looking at Joe's progression this year and what Piastri will bring to the sport when he eventually gets a full-time drive. Yeah. No, I think his consistency is probably the thing that's most interesting to me is no matter what, he's bringing in really good data. He's doing the right thing by the team. His lap times are so consistent. He is like robotic almost in that respect and that's really interesting to see because you don't get that from young drivers. They're very sporadic and they're constantly chasing more pace and they're all over – they have a shocking lap and a really fast lap in there and they're terrible for consistency but he is – he came in being very consistent and that was the biggest thing that was your Formula 1 ready because you can perform at that and then slowly increase and give us the information we need and improve slowly and slightly instead of this sporadic, wild, young stallion of a, a driver. Um, but very impressed. These last two races, like you said, he's impressed me and I think he deserves to stay in Formula 1. And he's up, His teammates Bottas too. And I would have preferred Oscar B with Bottas because imagine Bottas is a guy who's oh. on the back end of his career. Two Australians who probably team. doesn't have the probably doesn't have another chance at a top team. 
unless something crazy happens like 2009 and the Braun GP team. But um, I, I just think Bottas is the kind of guy that will be very helpful to someone like his teammate in that position, trying to help him grow and evolve. And uh, But it just gets me excited for how good Oscar Piastri is <coughs> actually going to be. So. But I think you're right. I mean, th- th- maybe there is a lot to be said of what VB is doing behind closed doors with Oscar as a teammate uh, in that knowledge and similar to what we've spoken about, K-Mag and Schumacher, t- two completely different ends of their careers, brand new to it and uh, on towards the end, not at the very end but towards the end. So, uh, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm happy for Alfa Romeo. It's good to see them uh, up towards the front, the mid-pack. Um, and certainly better than that livery last week. Going back Ugh. to the IG livery was, is much better this week. Damn. Alpine, we've already spoken a little bit about this. Fernando Alonso in seventh, uh, Esteban Ocon in sixth. Uh, towards the last uh, couple of laps, the uh, team engineer for uh, Alonso gets on and says, uh, all right, we're just going to hold position because, uh, you know, uh, because. And Fernando coops back. Why? <laughs> Considering his teammate who's been 100 times faster than him this weekend. <laughs> In saying, I want to get ahead of Esteban. I started second on the grid. Let me go. Yeah, I want a uh, chance at Leclerc, who's three seconds up the road. And this is what we're talking about in terms of Esteban Ocon unable to really approach and and do a lot when it comes to challenging. Okay, he's got a win under his belt. Cool. But that was just him defending oh. around Hungary. Uh, and the only reason, again, that he got that victory is because his teammate, Fernando Alonso, was defending Lewis Hamilton hardcore for so many laps so that Hamilton didn't have an opportunity to catch him in the last two laps. Uh, yeah. But for Alpine then, I mean, you seriously look at both of these guys, the performance of Alonso over the weekend, as Jensen Button said, absolutely does everything for, inverted commas, for them, us oldies. But it highlights that the wily old campaigner, David Croft, uh, has a lot of skill and, and a lot more to give to the sport. He looks energised. He looks excited to be on the grid. I think it's a, it's a good thing, don't you? Oh, absolutely. It shows that it's not a young person's sport. I think the sport's gone way too young over the last five or six years and picking up 17 and 18-year-olds. And we've spoken about this in previous years where what that does is it actually knocks off five or six years of genuine drivers who wanted a chance to get into Formula 1. They missed that opportunity. And that's the class of your um, – who's the guy that drove for Renault, the English guy? Jolly and Palmer. Jolly and Palmer. That's that class that missed out, all that yep. the class of guys that missed out. So I think moving forward, I think they should seriously rethink taking 17 and 18-year-olds. Uh, if you're a Max Verstappen, then you're the exception to yeah. the rule. But, I mean, guys like Leclerc and your signs who came in just as young, for me they're not. They're not as good as what they were touted to be yet. Max Verstappen's the measuring stick. But where do you put that talent then? Because you've got so much young talent coming, and it is young talent, and there's not many really that we go, you're not worthy of F1. They are worthy of F1, but there's also people who are also worthy of F1. There's only 20 seats, unfortunately. But where do you – because you get to this point where, like Oscar, you win – all of the formulas coming up, yep. you can't race anywhere else. You have to go. You can't go back to the formula you just won the championship yep. for. There's a rule. Yep. He has to move on and go upwards. And Formula One's going. Sorry, we're full. He's just benched for a whole year, and there, there's nowhere for these uber talented guys to go, who have just dominated the previous formulas and just stuck yeah. waiting. Well, I think there's a flow on. I mean, you get 2008, the global financial crisis, and the amount of money that came out of the sport in those five to six years preceding to, uh, after 
2008, particularly 2009 and 10 with, I mean, with with uh, with the Braun GP. That was a complete fluke, but no money, no investment in that in that whole race-winning formula. Now, from 2010 to 2014, it really missed out on the investment of money that we are seeing now. So 10 years past that, the money's flowing like it's never flown before into these junior drivers who are coming up cash up. All these companies, big banks and whoever they are, anyone with money is looking at people like George Russell and Leclerc going, geez, if we get on early to these guys and they generally, genuinely are um, rated as the next best thing in this sport, why don't – let's pump cash into them to get them in earlier so then we've got a market value on them. And I, I think that's probably part of the issue. If you follow the money, that's why we're not seeing – that class of Jolie and Palmers didn't get their chances. People would just go inevitably younger and younger. You look at Champions League, you look at NFL and stuff, the way the American system set up. Champions League, I mean, man, Manchester United are signing kids at eight years old to get them into their development groups because they see something in them. 95% of the time their investment's not going to pay off mm. in those kids. But we're talking about something that's $5 million a year to run 200 of the best kids in the country. It's chump change to these guys, so that's inevitably what they'll do. I think the sport needs to f- get another category in there, like another step to F1, but then it'll just get taken up by the money people too. So, yeah, it's a catch-22. It is, and I think I mean, it's a really good point because, yes, Oscar Piastri doesn't have anywhere to go, but historically you've seen Formula 2 champions having somewhere to go. If you look back as the last couple of years as to what sort of has caused this, it was – Alex Albon, George Russell and Lando Norris all coming at the same time. Charles Leclerc coming in before that. Uh, and these seats are being filled. And certainly there are older drivers who do need to move on and need to get on with it and that's absolutely fine. But, yeah, I think the flow and effect, as you say, is absolutely there. And instead of having this opportunity for Oscar to be able to come in and go, yeah, let's, let's go, I can jump into Alpine because Fernando or Esteban is gone – Hasn't had that. But again, his, another thing with Esteban had his opportunity in Racing Point and only because his management team was headed by Toto Wolff, really, did he manage to secure himself a continued drive. Did he deserve that seat over the champion in for, from Formula 2 in 2018, 2019? Probably, yeah. But, I mean, but if you look, I mean, Checo's a guy that got, in his second year, got a drive with McLaren and was way off the pace and way too nervous to operate in machinery yep. like that. Yeah. But by the end of that year, Jensen Button was going, geez, this guy's bloody quick. He is, you know, why are you getting rid of him? Just because he performed so badly in the first eight races. Finally flicked the switch and it worked on. I mean, we, we live in a world now where it's different. They're willing to give guys those second and third chances. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the sport that we that we watch, really, and we're not the ones making decisions. I don't know how you try and combat the uh, – I mean, look at Piastri. How old is the kid? Like he's like – 24. Same age as Lando. Oh, he's 24. I mean, he's, Same age as Max. I mean, but imagine, imagine Max at like 17 getting a first drive. I mean, you're betting this kid's whole career at 17 years old, which it's is a lot. just – yeah, it's crazy, but uh, I think I think Oscar's at twenty four has got a lot more. Sorry, experience. he's twenty one. I should correct myself. Twenty one, uh, but still, he's still twenty one. I remember me twenty one. Do you really? Maybe yesterday. <laughs> same, same mental age. Yeah, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. To invest that level of money in a twenty one year old is, I yeah. Mean, 
it's not just driving ability at that point. It's there's something else that comes with it too. So let's talk about Mercedes. George Russell finally finishing behind Lewis Hamilton in the Grand Prix. Uh, Hamilton finally getting on a podium again after driving what was the worst car that he could ever have experienced the day before. He's suddenly a on a podium uh, and slightly happy with things again. Uh, Mercedes, as we have said, is taking some steps forward, certainly not as fast as Ferrari, certainly not as fast as Red Bull, but if it's a power unit concern for them and they're trying to get that sorted out, if they do get it sorted out and they get out you know, the Mercedes rule of this porpoising thing under control, then potentially they're going to get further ahead uh, in this Grand Prix situation. Can mm. Absolutely. Uh, what did you think of? I've got a question for you. What did Go you on. think of the uh, the comment about Lewis coming up behind George, and George very smartly just said, "I just want to drive as fast as I can, mm. regardless mm. of I'm not <coughs> giving up this spot." You know, keep it simple. Sorry, I swore there, Jim. Again, you might have to unbelievable. Beat I just came out, but <laughs> I, I quite liked the way that George handled it. It's completely different to the way Lando handled it last week. And how Danny Rick handled it was the same way. It was mature. It was, I just want to drive as fast as possible. Yep. But uh, yeah, good, good for uh, good for Mercedes. It'll be. I mean, Lewis is he carries on. Worst car he's ever driven, and then gets on a podium. Can't be that bad, mate. Um, but they made some steps, and they're getting better too. Yeah, it's it's good to see for both of them. I think it's good for George to have an ability to show his measure as well. Yep. And I think you're right. I mean. He's professional about it. He, you know, and this is the difference between the petulance that we saw last weekend in a similar situation yeah. uh, to him being professional this time, and and one of the reasons why he deserves that drive in a top team. To be honest, if we're sort of measuring, especially Daniel's ability to be a pro and him saying understood as many times as he does yep. and okay, then you know, fair play to George. Uh, crack on, I guess. What uh, for for you, TT Lewis Hamilton and his future? Yep. Do we start liking Lewis a little bit more again because he's getting like, mm, okay, losing a little bit like we like Seb and now he's going to start winning and we go off him again? <laughs> kind of, yeah. to be honest. I think you're right. Um, I like Lewis in this situation right now. I mm. think this is like his most likable scenario really mm-hmm. where he's kind of – not winning. Well, not the whingy stuff, but the there's a, there's a lot of opportunity to do better. When he's at the top, he's kind of still playing it like he's hard done by and stuff. But right now, we can kind of all agree, yeah, he hasn't got the best car. He hasn't got the best opportunity to win every time. So when he does, it's like that's effort. That's good on you. When you're at the top winning everywhere, you can't really go, oh, geez, I just wish it was easier. I wish it was like this isn't still right. It's like shut up. You're winning. Like you don't get to complain and tell us how hard it was. You're winning all the time. So I think that would be – it's it's really hard because we want to watch him have a, a great end to his career, and it'd be interesting to see him get that final championship and be the the greatest ever. But I don't know. I think right now he's at his most likable he's been in a while. No, mm. yeah, I agree, Campy. I mean, obviously the windy thing side yeah. put aside, he's he is more likable. So I don't. I, after last year, what happened in the last race? I'm more of a fan than Lewis oh. than I ever have been in my whole in my whole career, I think talk about handling the situation perfectly, we all know what happened. He doesn't have to come out and whinge and justify, and he hasn't. Mm. He hasn't spoken about it publicly yet, refuses to, and he said, oh, we're moving on, this is the year. So, I mean, I like that from Lewis. He's an easy target. Ralph Schumacher had a good crack at him this year. Uh, in the news last week, he came out and said, oh, just because, well, look at, look at, 
look at George Russell. You know, he should be the goat because he's beating, you know, beating Lewis Hamilton this year, which is a cheap shot from Ralph. If, but, you, if you beat the best, you're the best. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, it's a cheap shot from Ralph, but yeah. I mean, Lewis is a good guy. I'm sure he frustrates me at times. He annoys me. I mean, carrying on like he did getting out of the getting out of the car. I was like, gee. Hate. I don't know how he's feeling, but did us a revisit Rick, go karting? Feel <laughs> like. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel <laughs> like we've been here before. I feel like this is regurgitated yeah. content. Yeah, uh, I let, get it. But he's a good guy. Let's keep going. Let's talk about Ferrari. Carlos signs in second. Very frustrating for him to not have his first po- uh, first, win first win of the uh, of his career in Formula One. Charlotte Leclerc in fifth. Mega drive from nineteenth to fifth. It has to be said for Charlotte Leclerc, Campy. Oh, I think Ferrari stuffed up with Leclerc on his car setup. There's, he should have been passing those guys way quicker than what he did. You reckon the less fact, downforce, let him just slipstream? Well, it wasn't just that. There was something to do with getting the power down, you know, out of the slow speed corners to get mm. the speed up to them. I think it was I think it was setup related. And I think commentary alluded to that, you know, he couldn't get he didn't have the torque to get the power to the ground. So I think Ferrari compromised on their setup to get more less arrows so that they could, but they couldn't quite they couldn't they couldn't Use that low downforce setup to generate enough speed through the low, yeah. low speed corners in order to get out on top. And I think they stuffed that up a bit. But as for Carlos, I think it was good drive for Carlos. I mean, it's his chance to make up some points on his teammate. I think he was out of the race really up until the Sonoda, um, uh, yellow car safety car that came out and. I think he got lucky, but he was never going to pass Max on track. No. But he drove well. He had some genuine pace in it compared to his teammate. Well, we don't know because he wasn't yeah, there. So yeah. great result for Carlos. Carlos. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm happy for him. I hope he continues to get podiums for the rest of the season. Red Bull, Max walking away with it. You're star. right. There was no real uh, star. Add that to the thing. Uh, no, yeah. real, no real threat from Carlos at all as, as much as we wanted it to be. Um, and Sergio Perez suffering an issue again. Uh, it sounded like a transmission issue, Tommy T. But yeah, he's really now having a bit of the unlucky spell himself. Yeah, and we saw that happen to Max early on. Uh, Red Bull have been lucky this last little stint. They haven't had anything, but it's how it happens. And as Campy would say, this is motorsport and you've got to take it. <laughs> When it's when it's all going your way, you've got to roll with it. And when it's not, it's just it is what it is. So he had a terrible qualifying. He had a terrible bit of luck in the race, and that's is what it is. But I don't think he was going to bother anyone for a podium this week anyway. Nope. I think uh, it was Max's from the start. I think Alonso was going to have a red hot crack, and sure. maybe even if he was a bit further up, he might have done some damage to both of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being full Alonso, but. I think this was Max's from start to finish, um, especially the way he qualified so well. And like we've alluded to, his race pace this year has been unbelievable. He is untouchable as soon as he gets a little bit of a lead. Even at the end, I was not worried about Carlos getting close. Like Max was just managing it. He didn't have a radio at the end, it seemed, as well. His, yeah. he, his team could communicate to him, but he couldn't respond. So he was probably getting yelled at stuff. He was just <laughs> wanting them to shut up, I'm sure. Um, and he just managed it. He just kept Carlos at bay, never let him get close, managed to charge up his batteries, use his overtake button as best he could. Yep. So yep. just real professional, calm-seeming Max who's just in control of 
that vehicle at the moment and just dominating. Yeah, it just sounds like, you know, Red Bull really is the dominant car at the moment and Red Bull, uh, sorry, and Ferrari are, is firmly in that second position uh, on the grid. All right, well, that is our team-by-team team analysis all done. Now let's do our fantasy name league. I'm going to say fantasy name league because who cares? I've stopped changing my drivers. Same. Couldn't, I couldn't uh, tell you what who is even in my grid, to be honest. Uh, Here we go. Here are my picks for the Canadian Grand Prix. 154 of you. I reckon we can get up to 200 people. So if you haven't yet joined, please do. You can uh, go in the running to win some merchandise. Uh, All right. Let's start uh, with the grid is Haas about. Haas about face, I suppose. Uh, Gemma C. Lewis suffers Buck. Upain. Steen N. Poutine Latifi in the bin. (laughs) Putin Latifi in the bin, I suppose. Samuel R. Well done. Uh, George the Groundhog. Byron H. (laughs) Oscanada. Carl yeah, L. Very well. Very good. Very well. <laughs> Crown very good. is the fastest Canadian on the track. Dennis O. Bouncing back to Canada. Daniel T. The Canadian collision that didn't happen. Jonathan C. Uh, Canada, better race quality than their drivers. Daniel B. Billionaire Daddy GP. Kelly W. <laughs> uh, F.U. Lando. Richard L. Just straight out with it. Uh, Latifi's John Farnham tour. Josh L. This is the last time probably. Yeah. Um, I, I put the voodoo on Lando. You're welcome, LBS. A uh, man on the ground there as well. And uh, thanks again for, for catching up with Freya and for sending over some content too. Uh, will PDR ever learn how to say medium? Jane W. Can you give us your best <laughs> PDR version of saying medium? Medium. Can you do better than that? No, I can't. He puts mediums on it. Medium. Can't say, can't say medium. Medium is, is how it basically is phonetically spelled after he's, he says it. Mick Swore, Nicholas H. Yes, all in caps. Who would have thought? Uh, DRS <laughs> Chicken, Adam H. Rick and Naughty, uh, Blair H. And Strolling to Get Poutine. Frey, you can't win anything. Stop changing your name. Uh, that is, <laughs> that is uh, Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, review podcast thank you so much for you for listening uh, up next week is our team radio podcast and by the magic of podcasting it means we're going to immediately record right now so but if you do want to drop in some team radio podcast for our next uh, questions rather for our next podcast please do that that's in our discord massive shout out to our discord awesome awesome community campy fashion tips anything like that Fantastic. you want to know just Absolutely. doesn't have to be f1 related really if you just want campy's thoughts on anything Mate, I'll, go, I'll check out the R team or the team or team radio. Don't ruin the content. That's next week, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That, that troopy or, def- um, troopy wait, or defender. Wait, don't, uh, we could do a whole We're going to do a tease. On that. If you want to hear Campy's thoughts on troopy or defender, Whoa. you're going to have to tune in next week. We could talk for hours about this. We're not going to talk about it for hours. <laughs> hot tip. <laughs> we will. In we will. two minutes, max. Maximum. This is like my life's question. Well, that's two. it for this episode. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review wherever you get it. We'll see you next time for our team radio podcast. Hello, everybody. I love F1 so much. It's the best ever. That's the stinger. We can all be disappointed together. That's the stinger. Apart from with that. Jeez. <clears throat> Lots of poor things. Like very niche, expensive headphones. They are. <laughs> That's why yeah. they look like it. Is that why they come with their own little baggie? They do. And you can even change the color of. Oh, I don't the care. Um, <laughs> shout out to Zeke for suggesting it. Should have got some. <laughs> 
it's a hard noise. Should have got some baits. Why am I the only one with headphones on? Tara, Sandra, John, and Josh. <laughs>